section twenty five of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter twenty five those who love you for political service love you less than their dinner and they who hate you hate you worse than the devil wesley the whole black family were evidently prepared for the reception of their visitors and as they were all good-looking and well-dressed the tout ensemble was highly prepossessing indeed had it been otherwise they would still have found favour in the eyes of lord rossville and his nephew who in each and all of the human beings now assembled even to the baby beheld simply a vote or the article or particle of a vote the earl therefore parsed and prosed away to good mrs black who sat listening to him with the most perfect reverence and admiration had the speaker been their neighbour old mr longlungs she might perhaps have thought him rather long-winded but it was still the golden age of innocence with mrs black for it never once occurred to her that it was possible for an earl to be as tiresome as a commoner she therefore hung enamoured on his lordship's accents but when he condescended so far as to take one of the children on his knee and to drink the healths of the whole family in what he declared to be the very best malmsey madeira he had ever tasted the conquest of mrs black was completed and she secretly vowed in her heart that she would never rest night or day till by hook or by crook she had secured mr black's vote for him and then as he seemed so taken with them all there was no saying but he might get a company for bob and give his business to davy and with these splendid visions mrs black's comely good-humoured face beamed upon the earl with an expression he was little accustomed to on the countenances of his auditors mr delmore on his part was not idle having talked very sensibly with mr black on russet lawns and fallows grey where the nibbling flocks do stray that is in plain prose on the rearing and feeding of cattle succession of crops etc etc he next addressed himself to a very pretty particle of a vote in the person of miss lily black who had made some faint and inefficient attempts to discover whether he wrote poetry till growing bolder as she advanced she at length popped the question whether he would not write something in her album mr delmore protested with the most perfect truth that he never had written a verse in his life but to soften the disappointment added with a bow and most expressive look that if ever he was to be so inspired it must be on the present occasion miss lily blushed and had no doubt that mr delmore was over head and ears in love with her already and having read every novel in the circulating library at barnford miss lily was ready to be fallen in love with at a moment's warning mrs major waddell to be was the only one of the family then at home who did not appear she said that in her situation it was extremely unpleasant to be stared at by strangers and as lord rossville and mr delmore must know perfectly well how she was situated they would easily understand her reasons for declining all introductions in her present situation 
miss bell however secretly flattered herself that her absence would be too striking to be passed over in silence and that lord rossville would make a point of seeing her great was her mortification therefore when the whole party drove off with the exception of gertrude who was left behind the bride-elect descended to the drawing-room in hopes of hearing that the major and she had formed the principal subject of conversation but there she found mrs black trying to remember all that lord rossville had said about the line of the new canal and mr black already anticipating the arrival of a couple of pure merinos which mr delmore was to procure for him from his uncle the duke of burlington miss lily was expressing her wonder to miss st clair whether it was really true that mr delmore did not write poetry and the children were squabbling over the remains of the cake i hope there was no particular allusion to the major and me said miss bell seeing it in vain to wait for any voluntary communication in my situation such things are not very pleasant there was no mention made of you whatever bell was the reply i assure you i am very happy to hear it said miss bell in evident displeasure to which she could only give vent by turning the children out of the room for making a noise which they of course redoubled outside the door till dragged shrieking away by their maid miss st clair already felt the discomforts of her situation seated in a dressed drawing-room for the day with mrs black and her daughters who seemed to have renounced all occupation for that of being company to their guest and labour dire it is and weary woe in such cases whether to the entertainer or the entertained gertrude felt too strange too much out of her own element to give free scope to her mind she felt she was amongst those who did not understand her nor she them the tone of their minds was pitched in a totally different key and their ideas tastes and habits she was convinced never could assimilate with hers at length miss lily produced her album for the amusement or admiration of her cousin and turned over page after page emblazoned with miserable drawings of dropsical cupids with blue aprons doves that might have passed for termagants stout calico roses heart's ease that was eyesore and forget-me-nots that ought to have been washed in the waters of lethe all these had of course appropriate lines or lines that were intended as such beneath a rose which bore evident traces of having been washed with a sponge was written in a small die-away hand scarcely visible to the naked eye cowper's pretty verses a rose had been washed just washed in a shower etc a bunch of heart's ease which might have served for a signpost was emblematic of a sonnet to a violet beginning sweet modest flower that lurks unseen etc but the forget-me-nots had called forth an original effusion addressed to miss lily b as follows forget thee sweet maid ah how vain the request thy image fond memory has stamped on my heart and while life's warm pulses beat high in my breast thy image shall ne'er from that bosom depart the moon she is up and the sun he is down the wind too is hushed and silence the rill the birds to their little nests long since have flown but when will forget my sad bosom to thrill forget thee ah who that has ever beheld 
thy eye of sky blue and thy locks of pure gold thy cheek oh you really mustn't read that cried miss lily putting her hand affectedly on the place it is only some nonsense of lieutenant o'brien's pray allow me to proceed said gertrude a little amused at the wretchedness of the rhymes oh indeed i can't said miss lily affecting to be ashamed i assure you i am in great pain for your cheek said gertrude i'm afraid it must have swelled in order to rhyme to be held oh no i assure you it wasn't my cheek but his heart that swelled said miss lily in perfect simplicity the captain has a great genius for poetry said mrs black very great said miss lily with a gentle sigh i'm certain that address to the moon we saw in the newspaper was his writing it's very well for people to write poetry who can't afford to buy it said miss bell with a disdainful toss the major has bought a most beautiful copy of lord byron's works bound in red morocco rather too fine for reading i think but he said he meant it to lie upon my sofa-table so i couldn't find fault to be sure bell as you say it's a better business to buy poetry than to write it said mrs black gertrude had read and could appreciate petrarch and metastasio it may therefore be conceived how much she admired lieutenant o'brien's effusions there is nothing more worth reading said miss lily as her cousin continued to turn over the leaves of the book that is only some dull stupid stuff aunt mary copied for me i've a good mind to tear it out it is just like a sermon and she was preparing to execute her threat when gertrude begged leave to read the offending lines before they were committed to the flames when i look back and in myself behold the wandering ways that youth could not descry and mark the fearful course that youth did hold and melt in mind each step youth strayed awry my knees i bow and from my heart i call o lord forget these faults and follies all for now i see how void youth is of skill i see also his prime time and his end i do confess my faults and all my ill and sorrow sore for that i did offend and with a mind repentant of all crimes pardon i ask for youth ten thousand times thou that by power to life didst raise the dead thou that of grace restoredst the blind to sight thou that for love thy life and love outbled thou that of favour mad'st the lame go right thou that canst heal and help in all essays forgive the guilt that grew in youth's vain ways lord vox i like the verses said gertrude and should be glad to have them something tells me added she with a sigh as she read them over again that they may some day be applicable to myself god forbid my dear said mrs black with a look of horror god forbid that any of us should ever be brought to such straits as that and i see no good in putting such dismal thoughts into young folks heads but if you would like to put off your bonnet before dinner it's time you were thinking of it for there comes the major cried miss bell End of section twenty five